Hello, podcasters. It's uh, time for today's podcast and a good one. Uh, in fact, I don't even know where to start on this one. Well, we started with France and France. Try being a businessman in France. If you think we're screwed up, try being a businessman in France. The story we lead with today is fantastic. We also talk about uh, infanticide and the things that nobody in the media is talking about. Nick DiPaolo is on with us today. Very, very funny. Um, we we hired a couple of listeners to watch tonight's debate because <laughs> honestly we just can't do it. We just can't do it anymore. Well, so, we have other we have other things we're doing. Yeah. for the show tomorrow. Yeah, you know I'll be watching yeah. the NFL game to see if anyone. Kneels. I'll be going to my son's school to a parent teacher meeting about education because you're going to talk uh, about exactly education right. right. That's what I'm going to do. Right. Uh, also, probably I think the most important break that we have done on this show in I don't know how long. I have a feeling on this it just kind of came out and it threw a discussion with with Stu and it just feels absolutely right uh how Donald Trump could lose the election if Warren becomes the candidate um it's kind of a it's it's it's, it's a horror show it's, it's a basically a our version show. of uh, American horror story yeah it's a horror show but you must listen to it it's all on today's podcast You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Now, imagine you're coming home, Stu, mm-hmm. and you're coming from a business trip. Okay, you went you went someplace, and you were there on business, and you were like, "Honey, damn this corporation! <laughs> I, 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 I broke my leg." And I was working. And you're like, where? I mean, you're still, you work in an office. You sit behind a, I broke my leg. And there was laws on a business trip. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then she found out that you were water skiing. What would your wife say? And my business isn't you're selling not, water you have skis. Nothing, your okay. business is what you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were no cameras or anything else. You were just out on a boat with a, Group of people, hot people, water ski. Hot people. Hot people. Okay. Mm-hmm. She may be a little suspicious that right. something else was going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And would she say, really, that's the company's problem? Would she? Would she? You're like, that company. And the, did the company ask you to go water skiing? No, it is my free time. <laughs> yeah, okay? no. No, I... she wouldn't. In France, here's what happened. An employee died on a business trip. And the family is suing the company, and the courts just ruled, yes, mm. that is a that that's a responsibility of the company to make sure that their people are protected. Here's what happened: uh, he was an employee that had a heart attack while having sex with a stranger in his hotel room. Um, the firm that, she'd have my wife would have hmm? more of a problem with that than the water skiing. Yeah, well, I didn't want to give you okay. something so insane, right? right? Okay. I mean, we, my wife would have a problem with the water skiing, mm-hmm. you know, somebody coming in and going, and I, 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 okay, I broke both my legs because we were having this crazy sex. <laughs> I don't think my wife would say okay, no, and she wouldn't say that damn company. She'd say, "I'm leaving." I'm glad, right? I'm glad I'm this glad. happened to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I only have to break two arms. I don't have to break all four limbs. <laughs> it saves me some time. Right? It saves yeah. me time, right? Mm-hmm. 
So uh, the family said that they were entitled to compensation compensation, uh, because that was a workplace injury. And so the company said, no, that's not a workplace industry. I don't know if you know, but he was in his hotel room at night. We had finished work. And he picked up a stranger in the bar, and it was so good, no offense to rub it in here, but it was so good <laughs> that he had a heart attack during it. Is it, uh, well, I mean, I guess he wouldn't have been at that hotel if not for the work assignment. Uh, well, that's what the judge said. Oh, my God. That's what the judge said. The employer is responsible for any accident occurring during a business trip. He wouldn't have been there in a, quote, extramarital relationship with a perfect stranger had he not been asked to go on the business trip. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. God (laughs) bless America. If you think we're insane, we're not fully there yet. You don't think that could happen? In the United States? No, please don't wreck. Don't, don't. I just, do I don't not, have, I do not on. have a case to bring to I've you, but I can, we can the, look. I've got the debate tonight. I'm trying to build myself up with a lot of hope and a lot of good things so I can watch the debate and last maybe two minutes before my head explodes. I'll say, though, I think that it's a good idea to, if you're going to commit a crime in France, wait till you're on a business trip. Like, if you were to go and murder someone, wouldn't the company be responsible for that yeah. murder? I didn't do it. I was on a business trip. I, I was at a Quality Inn, right. and I just murdered somebody at the bar. But, I mean, right. if I wasn't working for this company, I would have never been at the Quality Inn. Right. I robbed the bank, but I was only in town that one <laughs> night because business told me to go there. As long as you could show it's not premeditated, I think you're clear. I think you are. I like it. It was This bank was a total stranger to me. I'd never seen that <laughs> bank before. N- had no idea. Just a, an extramarital robbery with uh, another bank. If, if the debate moder- moderator today were to say, if a person were to go and have sex on a trip, a business trip, who should be responsible? You have to believe at least... Eight of the ten people are saying it's the company's fault. Who's there fault. tonight? Who's there tonight? I will tell you exact number of how many people how many people would say yes. You have okay. Joe Biden. He would say, ooh, he's tough. Come back to him. Okay. okay. Uh, Bernie Sanders. Yes. Company's always at fault yes. for everything. Yes. Um, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yes. 100%. 100%. Pete Buttigieg. Somehow or another, the banks would be involved if Elizabeth Warren was... was That's true. Yeah. The okay. banks are always involved. It would be the company, but really the companies were... We're driven by the by the banks yes. to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, I think he'd do it, uh, but he'd put it in a way to where everybody would kind of go like, "Yeah, that's kind of common sense. That's just <laughs> the average everyday Joe saying that." You think? Because he's not to me average everyday Joe. He's like McKinsey consultant, right? Like he's he's he speaks in that way that we've been in those meetings before mm-hmm. with like those high level mm-hmm. consultants and mm-hmm. they lay it all out and you're like i don't think they said anything there i don't think <laughs> yeah. that like that was a <laughs> yes. lot of a lot of syllables yes. but yes. I, I yes yes the, yes yes the yes. syllable to yes. content ratio is very right. i didn't say strange. he meant it i said right. uh, i mean that's what he's good at he's mm-hmm. good at He's good at just talking around things where you're like, I don't know. I don't know what he said, but I kind of feel good. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, Kamala, yeah, yeah. She's, she's in. She, yeah, she's in. Bob Frank O'Rourke. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's in because Bob Frank is in ultimate campaign desperation mode and will oh, yeah. say anything. He might if even he say, say we... the F-bomb on the stage tonight, I'll be shocked. Is that not incredible? I'll be shocked. Dude, we got it. You can use the F word. I mean, they what all is love the it. deal? They're, they're all so proud of themselves when they can say, because Donald Trump in a private meeting said S-hole countries, 
And so now they all got to get to say the full word because it's news, in quotes. And so they all come out, you know what Donald Trump said? Eh, and he says the whole word. No, but And then now Bob Frank is saying the F word everywhere. Right. Um, because he's so desperate for attention. His Hispanic priest, uh, Patrick O'Malley, Father Patrick O'Malley. Oh, very Hispanic. Uh, very Hispanic. Mm-hmm. He's very upset that, that his young altar boy was use, is using the F word like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Patrick O'Malley created salsa verde if i'm not mistaken he oh yeah very hispanic very very hispanic. Hispanic. Tri- triple hispanic yeah yeah trip spanic yeah is is is, is his official really? term um how about cory booker uh yeah cory booker cory booker's a pandering machine yeah, so he's gonna yeah. pander no he matter pandered. what yep, is said yep, yep, yep. uh he, he actually was bashing trump about the bill that they did together on <laughs> on, on criminal justice reform he's like chrissy Teigen, uh the model mm. uh slash wife of someone who's accomplished things mm-hmm. has uh ha- wrote some really nasty thing with all sorts yeah. of swears and stuff at donald mm-hmm. trump um and and she, he came out. He's like another example of uh, uh, Donald Trump targeting minority women. It's like, wait a minute. She was calling him like all sorts of swears, and 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 I don't even think he named her. She came back with some really like vile rant against her, and she's he's like, I'm on team Chrissy. Oh wait, Chrissy is, Teigen yeah. is now a victim of something. Yes, Chrissy Teigen is apparently the victim. Her po- poor multi-million dollar status. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I did really, and she's a minority. I don't know. I honestly I don't, don't care. I don't. I don't either, know why but... everyone else is so <laughs> obsessed with this. Like, who cares what her skin color is? Oh, my I next thing you know, it. you're going to be saying, "No, the company's not responsible for that extramarital <laughs> affair heart attack." So we have three more. I think we've named seven so far. Yeah. So we have Julian Castro. Yes. Uh, Amy Klobuchar. I don't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. Not really relevant. And Andrew Yang. Yang, Yang, Yang. would say no. Yeah, probably. Yang would say no. Yeah, yeah. And I think Biden would just it would just have to look at everybody else and if everybody else was saying yes then he'd say yes. And then he'd probably flub six right. seven sentences yeah. in a row. Yeah, he'd pronounce yes as <laughs> Okay, I think that's I think a yes from a Joe yes. Biden. Yeah. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Pat is here from the uh, Pat Gray uh, yes. Radio Roundup, otherwise known as Pat Gray Unleashed. It's point, a, point of personal privilege. Uh, he, him, his. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> Pat is the uh, host of that podcast, which you can hear live as he records it mm-hmm. uh, every morning, uh, right before this one, or you can download it at your discretion. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can find that wherever you get uh, podcast or on blazetv.com. Pat. Yes. Let's talk about the craziness in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia's acting police commissioner, mm-hmm. uh, people are calling for her to resign. Um, mm-hmm. Because 25 years ago, mm-hmm. she wore a T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, t- and, but she wore it, a T-shirt. Here's what the T-shirt said. Are okay. you ready for this? Yeah. yeah. Now, she's the police commissioner. The police commissioner in and Philadelphia. She, uh, right. She wore a T-shirt. And, and it said, LAPD, we treat you like a king. of course that's not funny at all Uh, oh it's not not funny at all no 
And um, <gasps> Rodney yes, King. Yes, yes. Oh, I never thought yes. of that. Little double entendre, mm, perhaps, there. Yeah. So, and she, so, they're so demanding she came she, in. She came in to work, what, last week and was wearing that? <laughs> no, no. No, just no. The, a a photo surfaced of her from 25 years ago. From 25 years ago. In which she had the T-shirt huh. on. Huh. And now she, you know, they're, they're demanding that she resign because of it. Uh, I mean... You're not going to be able to. Uh, you better start Our deleting kids. your Twitter feed right now. Our kids are doomed. No Facebook pages. Uh, be careful of your uh, of your wardrobe. I mean, yeah, your our kids are going to be. Our kids are. Look I mean, at what people say on Twitter all yes, the time. All the time. And you know what? Here's the thing. How when you're a kid, when you're a 15 year old boy, you're not saying things necessarily that you believe. You're saying that because you know you can get a rise out of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's just antagonizing. When, when you're a 15-year-old boy, you don't know what you believe. Right. You don't know what you believe. And it's not and it's not hatred. I mean, it right. could be, you know. Right. I saw it. I saw Jeff, uh, uh, what's his name, Bowers, uh, and the way he was, you know, beating up on those other kids. And he had real hatred in his heart. So <laughs> Stephen King tells the truth. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, mostly. kids are just saying things that... Yeah, you can uh-huh. go back and find any insensitive, uh, insensitive joke from a kid at 15 years old. It's usually made because they think it's going to piss a bunch of people off. It's not made because they have a deep-seated ideology. Of, no. you know, like, it's just like, you, and what's when you're the thing young, I'm not supposed to say? Let right, me say that. Right. And when you're young, especially with mm-hmm. comedy, when you're young... You don't cut funny. You don't cut funny. <laughs> that no. was literally our theme yeah really for the show when back in the day back in the day you don't I, cut funny say, you don't cut funny is it funny don't cut yes. it. it but it's really offensive is it funny <laughs> yes don't cut funny. you can't go that, with that, that was anymore. my that was the first thing i told everybody that came to work for me on the show don't cut funny you leave it in don't cut funny now if it's not funny mm-hmm. you know we were never. I, we didn't invent, you know, the clapter. That hadn't been invented yet. Like, mm. ah, ha, 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 not funny, <laughs> but I'm laughing in approval. Now, I mean, how are our kids going to survive? The only hope is saturation. I think for kids today. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. I, I was, I was reading, going back through. We were talking about history yesterday, and I was clicking around through a bunch of stories and went down some wormhole, and there was a story about Dan Quayle. And Dan Quayle, they found they actually found the potato kid recently. Do you yeah. know this? They went. They, no. they, they found the potato kid. Uh-huh. Yeah, they found the potato kid. <laughs> so, wait, wait. For anybody who doesn't know this story, he's a child that Dan Quayle had kept in a in a dark uh, box <laughs> yeah. underneath his refrigerator sink with the potatoes. It was a horrible, <laughs> no, horrible thing when we found this and out. He, and he was initially because Dan Quayle impregnated a potato. <laughs> right. Um, so it was a very strange story. But the potato has a lot of eyes, and he couldn't take the way the potato was looking at him. But that's a different story. Yeah. There's a lot of justice. Right. for what he did and we're not going to get into it now um but so he if you remember of course he went up and and the kids spelled the word potato correctly and he added on the e and then there was a back and forth about how it used Which, to be spelled by the way it used right. to be spelled that way yeah exactly so you know there's a long story but i mean it basically i mean quail made the point essentially that it ruined his life yeah, i mean it, I, it, oh, it, it certainly, it certainly ruined, ruined his, his career, career. Mm-hmm. um and was a it really dramatically affected his life in a terrible way we have politicians that misspell words a hundred times a day on Twitter, mm-hmm. and no one even bothers noticing. 
right? At some point, there's a saturation of these things where people just don't care anymore. And maybe we'll get to that point well, with I our kids. Me- they all have so the much hell. crap on their on their back. They've all said so many offensive things on Twitter over the years mm-hmm. that you no can't hire anybody. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no one cares. Unless it's the algorithm that does it. If it's the algorithm and the algorithm has been written by somebody who has an agenda, it will only silence those people. It's doing it now. We're doing it in real time. Yeah, just it's to only people on silencing. The right. Yeah. Yeah. And for instance, yeah. uh, let's take this. You want to talk about saturation. The saturation of the story two years ago that um, Planned Parenthood was selling body parts. Okay. Everybody was talking about it. And what did the media say? Not true. Not true. This is made up. That's edited videos. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Mm hmm. Now we have Planned Parenthood admitting in a court of law and the people that were procuring it admitting under oath that, yes, they were selling them. And the the company that was procuring them testified that they were taking beating hearts out of intact bodies. So the child was born and killed after birth. That's now under oath in a court of law. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody cares. And because it's it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we missed that boat. Yeah, it's uh, I'm not going to get back so on it now. Ago. Yeah, you're not going to get on it. Mm-hmm. So if you if you just saturate it with something, when it turns out to be true, it doesn't matter. Caliphate, caliphate. Yeah, yeah. You that sat too. there getting beat up for three years about how a caliphate might be and coming. And then all of a sudden there was a caliphate. And there was a caliphate. <laughs> and then like the New York Jeez. Times just starts a podcast called Caliphate. I know. Like they would, oh. like they, this, these people are out there criticizing oh, you like crazy for that was years. A, a and they're like, crazy oh. conspiracy theorist. All and of then these they go things. make all this money on a... <laughs> right. I know, I know, I know. But I that's what happens. Yeah. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah. So, also, I, I was reading an article the other day that was titled... Dave Chappelle will save the nation. And I, I and when I read it, I thought, yeah, you know what? If he survives this, <laughs> he might save the nation. Have you seen have you seen Nick DiPaolo? No. Nick DiPaolo is uh-uh. not on uh Netflix. I mean, he's he wrote for Chris Rock. The guy is really really funny. And one of those comedians that all those guys respect, respect. and admire, it, right? uh, it, uh, um uh, uh, John Stewart on his last show said uh i'm i'm uh, this was a joy and i can't wait to go back and be on stage with people like nick DiPaolo and he was then they named another comedian he named another comedian two comedians so um i mean nick is really really good but he's not doing uh, you know the netflix special because he's on the other side but he is you think if you think that uh um What's his name? That you Chappelle. Just said? Chappelle, Chappelle is politically incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> Go on YouTube and uh, look for uh, Nick DiPaolo. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like I, I watched him. and I'm like, how is he getting away? with? He's coming up in a few minutes. How is he getting away with saying all of these things? And it's because he's funny. He's very, very funny. And you don't cut funny. Right. And I think we're at that point to where people don't care anymore. They're they're starting to. I've never seen a funnier routine than Dave Chappelle's. I mean that that is an so hour weird. and ten minutes of just absolute brilliance. And Netflix and, is, does take some chances with this stuff. Yeah, they do. And he he's not really. I wouldn't he's, call that a left wing no. routine either, because every time you think he's going there, 
he there's a little twist. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he hits both sides. But so, yeah. but he and it's but it's also not a right wing routine. No, like, people, it's not at all. I think people mm-hmm. conservatives are like, oh well, uh, finally someone's saying some conservative things. Really, he's not just really. making observations about the world and not caring which side it falls on. Mm-hmm. Right, and that is like a, it's mm-hmm. a superpower these days. It is. I mean, Bill yeah. Burr has a as uh, a special up there now, which is getting the same type of buzz as the Chappelle one. They just, they just I, launched it. I tell you, there is uh, there is a chance that comedy saves the country. Saves the country. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, 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 there is that possibility. We lost all sense of humor, and, you know, we've talked about it for years. How do you write something crazier than what's happening? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just the observations that no one is willing to say anymore that are, that are true and funny. Because it used to be. If you were joking about something, you were kind of left let off off the hook mm-hmm. right you you didn't lose your job if you were joking about something and clearly people knew you were joking about it well that doesn't apply anymore well, at the t- all the t-shirt at all right. lapd treats you right. like that's a joke that's yeah. clearly not that's a serious joke. no one should get fired for that right it's, particularly right. i mean i guess if she was the police commissioner today maybe it would be a bad yeah, she's wearing it 25 years ago <laughs> right i'm yes. meeting with the police commissioners uh, in uh, los angeles and uh, i thought i'd wear this t-shirt to greet them that might be a problem yeah not a good idea thanks matt This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to tell you about something that you should either end your day with or um, start your morning with, and that is the news and why it matters. If you like this show, you're going to love the news and why it matters. It's a bunch of us that all get together at the end of the day and just talk about the stories that matter to you and your life. The news and why it matters. Look for it now wherever you download your favorite podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, from the comfort, I believe, of his own home in Georgia, it's Nick DiPaolo. How <laughs> not are my, you? Not my home. I have an actual studio. You have an actual uh, studio. I'm doing, I'm doing very well. You yeah, know. good. So, uh, Lane, can I? Yeah, go your ahead. Physical, your physical appearance since since O'Reilly days has. I love it. You got the white hair, the goatee. Mm. Let me just let me just hear you say, "Come out of KFC, a cry on cheddar biscuits." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really. Guy? You know, it's it's really horrible. My my family has white hair for very young. My sisters started getting theirs at thirty. I was the last to get it, and I always <laughs> wanted it because my grandfather had it. But I've turned into my grandfather, and if that's not bad enough, I do look exactly like Colonel Sanders. It's not cool. It's not popular with the women. Well, the white shirt and the black tie is not helping. I mean, put a bolo, <laughs> put a bolo tie on there. Right. Okay, but, uh, all right. As all you right. have pointed out, Glenn, though, you are fatter than Colonel Sanders. Yeah, when I actually looked at a picture of <laughs> Colonel Sanders, I, I am in worse shape than the guy who is selling fried chicken out of the trunk of his car. Yeah, but he does P90X three times a week. <laughs> How you doing, Nick? I'm doing good. How you doing? You look... You look good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's really no, I, not I necessary. Didn't mean that it, no, that, that yeah, was not stuck. No, way. sure, sure. You didn't mean it that way. So, Nick, no. let me um, uh, let me ask you. Tonight is the uh, tonight is the 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 Democratic debate debate in oh, Houston. It's tonight. It's tonight. <laughs> it's tonight. Going up against football. Gee, I wonder who's who's going to win uh, in the ratings. Um, yeah. What are your thought? What are your thoughts on uh, Joe Biden? 
Well, he's uh, Joe Biden's out of his mind, and uh, he has no no business. He he has no business being in the race. I mean, I can't believe he's still in the lead. Yeah. This guy, you saw, him, he doesn't even know what state he's in. He's a well, I, I love I love here coming to New Hampshire. It's one of the most beautiful states. Just just look around the rock Mountains. Uh, you got the Smoky Mountains, and I'll tell you, I love Denver. He, I can't believe. So, so, but is he, is he the guy that is doing well just because everybody else is nuts? I mean, go through them. Yeah. Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Well, but, but he's a Jew living in Vermont. Do I have to say any more? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that, I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> well, I, you know, he, he hates the 1%, everything 1%, they're, they're getting all the tax breaks. They're, they're getting all the money. Uh, I, I, I hate 1% milk. Uh, I graduated top <laughs> 1% of my class. I don't like that. And, uh, I, why do you why do you live in uh, Vermont, Bernie? Well, I I love Subarus, I love women in flannel, I love covered bridges, and uh, healthcare. He he's first of all he talks like uh like me. I'm from Boston. He he puts R's on words that whether you know I'll have a vodka and tonic, and uh, I have to head. Uh, I'll be touring in Nebraska and uh, and uh, and uh, you and uh, and the butter and uh, damn it, I wrote the bill. Damn it. <laughs> I, I like this spunk. I got to be honest with you. I like I, I, he's cra- you know his politics. Forget about it. You made a good point though. They're so far left. And if I was Bernie, I'd be PO'd because uh, Liz Warren is just uh, you know rehashing his ideas. He had the nerve to come out and admit he was a socialist, and now she's just trying to steal his thunder. His, but, uh, thunder. <laughs> thunder. Uh, but no uh, R's on the word where there should be R's. Yes, and, and adding them where they they don't exist. But uh, that's what Brooklyn people do and Boston people. Uh, but how uh, about how about go ahead? Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I have Twelve cups of coffee in me. Uh, <laughs> how about the fact that he doesn't understand money? He he says I, I don't understand why we we can't pay teachers like ball players. Uh, what do you do? We we pay him like double A ball players. I mean, he doesn't understand that. Hey, Bernie, let me explain it to you. When you can get 20 million people to tune in to a science teacher rubbing a balloon on a kid's cardigan uh, to teach electricity and then sell 12,000 beers at 10 bucks a pop, (laughs) then we can pay him. Look, there's only one type of teacher who should get paid like a pro ball player, and that's the uh, young female teachers who sleep with their 14-year-old boy students. (laughs) I will... (laughs) I will actually take them to. I will actually represent them in arbitration. I'll go, right into the, I'll go right into the principal's office and say, "Mrs. Johnson deserves another two hundred thousand dollars this year." Well, why is that? Well, she slept with half the basketball team last month, and uh, look at her numbers. She's having a great year. I don't think that's helpful. I don't. I don't think that's helpful. Uh, so, uh, what do you what do you make of Pete Buttigieg? I hate him more than Hillary. That's all I have to say about that. This wow. guy is a. He is a smarmy, little sanctimonious, holier than thou. I I can't stand this guy, and and he's on this whole. I mean, he he passes himself off as this you know religious whatever, and now he's quoting the Bible. He says, in inaction, on you know climbing uh, on inaction on uh, you know uh, climate change is a sin. He says. So what are you, you going to go into the confessional? Bless me, Father, if I have sinned. I, uh, I have uh, sexual thoughts about my neighbor's wife. I, I murdered a person 20 years ago, and I am not using paper straws. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, mean, come on. I was just in uh, Los Angeles last week, and they handed, so, you know, you, I asked for a straw. They don't even give you a plastic straw. I mean, they have to ask for it. 
And then they don't give, they reward you with this paper straw that I hated those oh. when we, well, they were passing out milk when I was in school. They're horrible. <laughs> They're horrible. You want, you want me to believe that Hollywood stars are snorting coke with paper straws? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Matthew McConaughey has 19 paper cuts in his left sinus. Come on. It's all belong. Uh, Just don't get rid of the crazy straws. That's all I ask. There's a there's a couple of things that I saw today. There was a, a story about a 77 year old guy who's being released from prison because Trump has said this is ridiculous. He was digging a trench around his property because he was afraid of uh, of fires, uh, and he dug a trench and he he kind of made a little moat. He took a like a two foot stream. And channeled it in so that water was around his property. And the EPA threw him in jail. He's 77. Threw him in jail. I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know Bernie owned a shovel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as well. And he's not in jail. Uh, but Trump has just, has just let, him, uh, let him out. Uh, and now, while, that is, while that's good, now the EPA is saying that they want to eliminate all animal testing. Look, I said this on a special years ago. I said, uh, as far as animal testing, it, you know, if, if hooking a monkey's brain up to a car battery is going to save somebody from dying of AIDS, I have two things to say. The red is positive and the black is negative. <laughs> okay? If you don't want to use animals, let's replace the let's. Let's replace the animals with career politicians. Let's uh, let's 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 pump some chemicals and solvent into Gerald Nadler and see how he does after a week. Are you smoking, Glenn? No, I. Is he like I am? He just reacts like normal human beings do when they walk up a oh, bunch of stairs when he yeah, laughs. Like yeah, that's the I physical laugh. activity. I, yeah, peak. no, this is this is a, this is quite a workout for me. All right. It sounds like you have tuberculosis. Yeah. You've been hanging out on the Mexican border. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have been. I live in Texas now. By the way, you're living. You moved to Georgia. Yeah. How do you How do you like it? I love it down here. I, I moved to a, a you know a, a very red state, and uh, first thing I did when I got down here, I wanted to be southern, so I bought a handgun and I put it on my lap, <laughs> and I went through Chick Fil A drive through and. and <laughs> I thought I was going to scare the person in the window. Didn't even phase them. They're like, "What well, you got? What's that? A thirty-eight snub nose? That's a six forty-two lightweight, ain't it?" <laughs> yeah, I shot. I shot. I shot my stepdad with that. He's trying to mess around my sister on the Fourth of July. And I'm like, "That's a nice story, Diane." Anyways, can I get some ketchup? How many How many shows a year do you do, Nick? How How uh, How often are you out on the road? Not as much as I used to be, Glenn. And that's the whole idea. I I just hate the road, you know. Uh, so. I used to do 30, 35 weeks a year when I was, you know, young and single wow. and chasing women, and it was fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but uh, after your eighth time back to Cleveland, you know, how many times can you visit the Bowling Hall of Fame? And uh, right. so I probably, I, I don't know, probably, it's probably around 15 weekends. Or, uh, so have you been, effect, have you been affected by this, this quashing of comedy over the last 10, 15 years? I, well, yes and no. I mean, I'm sure I didn't do myself any favors, like landing gig, gigs uh, as far as TV and actual Hollywood show business. That's the thing. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, but but as far as live performances, I, 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 I came out of the closet as a righty on Tough Crowd in like 2002. 
I was, uh, you know, I was spewing the term cultural Marxism on that show, mm. which was a brilliant, brilliant idea by me. I have $11 in the bank. I'm on national TV. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody gives Dennis Miller and Schwarzenegger credit for being righties. I'm like, yeah, well, they had 70 million in the bank when they. Yeah. Uh, so but so I, I got I got pigeonholed as a conservative. I'm not I'm a comedian who happens to lean right in and is in. So so people came out and, and thank God Trump came along. Uh, so, you know, but, but yes and no, I, I, a few people walk out of my shows all the time. Well, it, I, but it, it I, may not be you know, for your politics. I mean, you are, you are my clothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are, <laughs> you are, you say everything, uh, you say everything. Let, let me ask you what your, your thought is on the Dave Chappelle special. I absolutely loved it. Dave Chappelle. And I've said this, okay. And I know him. I, I like him as a person. I honestly, I don't think Richard Pryor or Chris Rock have anything on Dave Chappelle. I think he's a genius. And you've you've I have, written for Chris Rock. I, I wrote for Chris Rock. And uh, I, Chappelle is just, he's like a jazz musician. He's smooth. Yeah. He's smart. He's concise. That being said, my only problem is people are coming out there and people on my side going, he, boy, he's fearless. Well, he first of all, he's a famous black guy with a hundred million in the bank. What's he got to What's he got to lose? I'm fearless. I'm a 57 year old white guy. I've been saying this stuff forever. That's why I'm doing a show in the back of an Applebee's right now. You know. But that special was tremendous, and I'm glad somebody that, that that's famous and has that many people watching got the message. But I but I've been preaching that, and if you watch my special, Breath of Fresh Air. I touched on basically the same things Dave Chappelle did. His yeah. came out a few months after mine. We touched on the same subjects. People should put them side by side and go, and this is how it is for a white guy. So I, I just don't like that they're going, oh, he's fearless. A famous black guy in show business has never gotten in trouble for anything other than OJ in a couple of extreme cases. But, I mean, uh, he's not going to get trouble for anything he says. And uh, So you don't think me, this, because he has gotten pushback. Yeah, pushback's one thing, but being canned or being, you know, put under the radar for the rest of your showbiz career is another thing. And uh, that that's never going to happen uh, to Chappelle. I, I use this example. Remember Tracy Morgan? His wife was pregnant. He actually came out and said, if my baby's gay, I'm going to kill it. He actually said that. And, uh, you know, six months later, he has a new uh, series on TBS. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. Tell me a white guy that could say something that outrageous and not be banned from the planet. So I, I, I but he's a genius. Chappelle's a genius and he's in the, my top five easy. And I suggest everybody watch that special. But I then then watch mine. And, and I'm not comparing myself to him as a comedian because he's tremendous. Uh, but, you know, you're going to see the point of view from a white, straight, 57 year old white guy and and and. He has a little more leeway to say stuff uh, than he, I do, even though I cut loose. You you do cut loose. He is, um, yeah. you know, I think he's being, um, uh, people are assigning things to him that he didn't necessarily say. His his jokes, um, many of them take you a minute before you say, wait, wait a minute. Did he say that or did he say this? He's, he's making a point, but you can't really pin him down. He, he's just willing to say things but i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't say that he's for instance you know pro-life but i don't know that he's pro-abortion either i don't know where he stands uh which i think is part of the genius of the way he's he wrote this
You agree with this well, or it, not? Y- yeah, I do. It's funny you say that because the, the, the next hour I'm working on, I have about 10 minutes on abortion, and you won't know where I stand either. You know, I, I look, I, I can't say I, people assume I'm pro-life because I lean right in my politics. Uh, but I'd be a hypocrite to say that because when I was young, I got a few girls pregnant and I, and I was glad to a Planned Parenthoods or I don't know, Midas Mufflers. I can't remember what they used to do. That stuff. <laughs> but, Beautifully but, put, Nick. Beautifully yeah, put. I have like, <laughs> get her up on the jack. <laughs> I, uh, I, I have no. He's playing uh, at the know. Vatican next week. Just uh, <laughs> get your tickets now. <laughs> but, but you're right. He sort of has the uh, Michael Jordan. Remember Michael Jordan's quote? They said, why don't you ever talk politics? And he says, because both Republicans and Democrats buy sneakers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's sort of Chappelle sort of. But he, I, but I don't think he's doing that intentionally. I mean, he's that's how he thinks. He's looking at both sides fairly. And you don't see that from too many comics. And that that, that was the genius of it. That you, Like you said, you couldn't pin him down. And it's really funny on top of that. And look, Netflix is Netflix. But let's not downplay the success of A Breath of Fresh Air. I mean, you're up 800,000 views now on youtube you can watch yes. it for free i mean it's it's done really well people are have a thirst for this right now that's that's exactly right they do have a thirst for it i'm lucky uh, trump came along um because yeah i'm i'm brutally honest about it so wait, and, so, uh, so wait 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 is it trump or is it that people are starting to see the effects in their own life you know everybody wants to be nice you know i hey, don't say that they're handicapped it makes them feel bad okay I've, i don't, don't want to but then you get to a point to where you're like, shut up, shut up. This is affecting my life. There's a six foot four guy in a dress that's now wrestling my daughter in female wrestling. Shut up. And so I think they're just, it, this is played out long enough to where people are seeing it affect their, their own life in a negative way. Well, that's some of it, but, but, when Trump, look, this is when I, and again, folks, keep this in context. I'm a comedian. I have a much darker sense of humor than you do. But this this is, what, I swear to God, when I said I'm going to vote for Trump, and uh, I'm laying on the couch. I'm half asleep. I got one eye open. Remember he went after the uh, physically challenged reporter yeah. for the New York? Yes. I look over the TV, and I see Trump go, ah, 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 and I, I said, where do I pull the lever? This guy does not give a crap. <laughs> this is my guy. And you know what? He He's been great for me because... He's calling the media out on the PC bull crap. And uh, and yes, like you said, uh, just through the way things are evolving, people have had enough. But but I love that uh, he, he would say anything. I'm watching him do a rally the other day, and they throw a heckler out. And as they're throwing the guy out, Trump goes, that guy has a weight problem. Go home and exercise. <laughs> the best of the Glenn Beck program. Sujo John is his name. He's a 9-11 survivor and a founder of something called You Can Free Us. Uh, he has an amazing story. Welcome, Sujo. How are you? Great, and Good to be back with you. Um, I, I want to I take the radio audience through your story a bit. First of all, you were living in India, and had moving to America always been a part of your plan or your dream? And if so, Why? Great question. A lot of reasons why. America, you know, even for those uh, from half around the world, America always stands out as this amazing place where dreams and dreamers collide. And if you have a dream somewhere within you in some part of the world, everybody wants to come to this country. And that was part of me. And my view of America was through the lenses of 
television, movies, and arts. And then growing up in India, where you know, as as Christians, you're a minority. I just knew that America is a place that's been founded on Judeo-Christian principles. So that was another big reason why I wanted to come here. And everything that America stands for is is, is very appealing and drawing to people on the other side of the world where they want to build their dreams. And in this country, it's not about your pedigree. It's not about your last name. If you can add value, you can make something out of your life in this country. I don't think there's any country in the world that provides that foundation, Glenn. It's so good to hear this from people who actually know because we have lost our way so far. We we just we don't see the uniqueness of America when you're living in it. So you come to the United States in February of 2001 and you find yourself a pretty good job. Uh, you are working on what floor of the uh, World Trade Center? So, Glenn, I came with $50, two bags, and tell people, loaded with a lot of dreams. And of all the places, I find work on the 81st floor of the North Tower of the World Trade Center. And what are you doing? I'm doing marketing uh, for a telecommunications company. My, my dream was to, to start, actually, a, a data center to get into the telecom world. And uh, so I was building my steps towards that and trying to understand what life in all about, is all about in America. What does true capitalism mean? Because growing up in India, you know, although they believe in capitalism, it's not quite a capitalist economy. And I was just so excited to come to the, of all the places in New York City, uh, I mean, almost like the nuclear reactor of capitalism around the yeah. world that has created the wealth, which, which not only helps people have a better life, but solves problems around the world. So uh, that was my goal. And my wife also works there. She was working on the 71st floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. So both of us had offices at the World Trade Center. And she was pregnant. She was four months pregnant, Glenn, and that was an exciting season in our life as we are getting ready for our, our baby to arrive, our first child, and and uh, and then life takes such an incredible turn on September 11, 2001. And you feel like on September 11th, you're there. What time in the morning did you get there? I got a little past 7.30 that morning. I would start work usually a little earlier, around 8. So I was, I was early that morning, 7.30. And Glenn, uh, you lived in New York. You remember it was a clear, cloudless day. Beautiful. It was just a beautiful day. Yeah. Uh, and then everything would change forever. Uh, so you're there. And you, before the plane hits, just literally a few minutes before it hits, you sent an email to a friend who went to church with you. Yes. Uh, you know, I was, like you mentioned earlier, I was empty on the inside. I, you, uh, you know, then you know this, and a lot of people listening to you know this. Life is not just about consumption. And, and sometimes we get wrapped up in stuff, junk. I call it the junk and the funk uh, around us. And we think life is all about the next new thing, the next new toy, the next new gadget. And sadly, that was me in America. I could, I could, I could reach things that money could get. But then there was a hole in my heart, and I knew my purpose for which God sent me to this great land was not just to make money. There's something more. And I felt like I was almost losing that, uh, losing that mission, losing the plot. So I wrote an email to my friend saying, I know there's a call of God upon my life. I've been chasing stuff in America. I want to be chasing that which is on God's heart. And I sent that at 8.05 in the morning from the Twin Towers. You don't know that your wife... Um is running late if i if i remember right and not in her office which tower was hit first hers or yours 
Uh, my tower was hit first. The North Tower was hit first. This incredible explosion uh, that almost rips the building. Uh, American Flight 11, a Boeing 767 with 440, flying at 440 miles an hour, carrying 10,000 gallons of jet fuel. And, and how many floors above you was it? The plane literally struck uh, about eight to eight, nine floors above us, but part of the wing of the plane rips through our floor. Uh, as all of, uh, as everyone who's seen those images, they would know that the plane went in an angle into the building. Yeah. So we, so there was fire that got that got started around us as jet fuel dumped its way all through the other building. And did you see the plane coming toward the building? I didn't see the plane, but someone on my floor saw the plane. Everything happened so fast, but we felt this incredible explosion, the building rattling, and we knew as a plane what else could hit you at that height. But all of us, Glenn, thought it was a small commuter plane. Uh, probably a pilot, uh, you know, uh, had a had a cardiac problem or right, something right. and crashed the plane. Nobody knew it was a big jet plane, and nobody knew that it was actually a terrorist attack. That it was intentionally flown into the building. So, did did you start to get out then? Yeah, we fought our way to the fire and the jet fuel and started running down. And uh, and that's when I passed all these brave firemen and policemen, these incredibly brave men and uh, heroes of our country. Uh, we were going down and they were going up. So we high-fived them saying, you guys are the real heroes. Uh, we had no idea that would be the last time America would be seeing these brave men. So we started running down and I'm running down with a very heavy heart. Phones aren't working. I can't reach my wife. So I come down 81 floors. I reached the plaza level. And uh, from there, we were told, go down one more level to the concourse level. And I'm walking towards the south tower to be looking for my wife if she has now gone up. And that's when the south tower collapses around me. Wow. Um, and so it, I mean, I would imagine it was uh, a little terrifying with everything falling around you that you felt like you might get hit by things. Or were you far enough uh, well, away? No, I was actually almost right in front of the building. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing story of God's deliverance. I'm 20 feet away from the building. I made my way to the revolving doors of the towers that take you literally in front there. And that's when the ground starts shaking, the glass is shattering. And I'm with 15, 20 people. And we started crying out. And we were on top of each other. And I started preparing them. I told them we're going to die. And I told them, call upon the name of Jesus. We knew time was short. And we started praying our last prayer, thinking we were going to die. So I was buried in, in that debris at that moment. I was in about a pocket of about three feet of soot and ash. The steel was the only thing that really survived. Everything was pulverized into ash and dust. And the first building, when it, got, uh, when it, when it came down, the front facade of the building stood up for a while. And that, I, was, I was right there. So that's probably what saved my life. And everything went as if, uh, like in, a, in, a, in a way, a mushroom is. It just went uh, past us. So that protected me. But then I was buried in debris, and I was pulled out by a man, an incredibly brave FBI agent. And as he pulled me and I pulled him, uh, we both told each other we're going to die. He said he was the FBI. And I told him, do you know where you're going? He said, yes, I, I know my savior. And we thought we were going to die, choking all the soot on the ash. And that's when a red light flashes, and we start crawling away. And that light leads us out of the pit. Uh, the man says, I got to go back, runs into the North Tower, which was still standing. Uh, the ground shakes. The North Tower goes down. This brave American hero died that day. Do you know his name? Yeah, his name is Lenny Hayton, uh, who was left behind four children. Uh, he was a bomb technician for the FBI. Uh, the, actually, the only active FBI agent to have died that day. Just uh, mm -hmm. his story is just incredible. I've had a 
opportunity to meet his wife and, and just to know about his life. Uh, another story of another man who, who could have avoided that place, uh, but he felt so driven by love for his country and fellow uh, human beings and the call of duty that just made him race and run back into the towers to look for more people. And Glenn, I just want to say something here. That's what makes America great. I, you know, when people talk about make America great, I say the people of America great, America great. Mm-hmm. It's not our money. It's not our building. It's not our technology. Uh, the fact that there are people that are willing to love on their neighbor, there are, are people that care for this country. And I, I've, I've heard you. I've, I've, I've seen you on television, met you in person. And I know beyond what you do in the media, it's, it's a true love that you have for America that makes people like you speak up on issues people that want to protect this country, knowing what's about to happen. And, and for me, who's come from India, that's what I love about America, the great American spirit that is deeply interested in everyone that calls himself an American. Sujo, when, I'm going to take a one-minute break, and then I'm going to come back, and I want you to tell people what happened afterwards, um, because that was a big change in your life. Uh, the ground shook literally uh, and figuratively, and you have gone on to do some remarkable things. And I, I want to hear the second part of your life now. You know, uh, Sujo and I were talking um, yesterday. He was on television, so we were talking just the other day about uh, the thing that he's working on. And we both believe that um, the only way that we're going to save this nation and save freedom of mankind is if we put into action the things and the and really the um, the covenant that our pilgrims and uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln made with God. And that is we will serve you. And the best way to serve God, is, as Benjamin Franklin said, was to serve your fellow man. The one thing that we can all agree on now and not argue about is slavery is horrible and needs to be stopped. And it's worse today than it's ever been. So here's this guy who's chasing the almighty dollar in the world trade center. They come down and Sujo, you believe that you were, you were directed uh, and, and saved you and your wife saved that day to be able to do something different than just making money. Absolutely, Glenn. And um, I felt God calling me into this. And the fact that I was rescued, that someone, uh, you know, who rescued me gave up his life. And that's the story of the gospel narrative. God sends, look, God sends his son to look for broken people like us. And the fact that heaven rescued you and me uh, compels us, our faith compels us to look for people. And the message of Jesus was he came to set the captives free. And there are people spiritually captive, and there's also physically captive. So I got exposed to this problem, Glenn, about modern slavery, how there's 41 million people in slavery. And when I saw the conditions, and I know you've seen it in different parts of the world, where women are kept in cells and cages. Mm-hmm. I, I remember being in a red light district, 37,000 sex workers, and women kept in these cages three feet by six feet. I felt in that moment something common with those girls. Uh, I felt like I know what it is to be trapped. And if, if someone came and rescued me, perhaps God is tapping on me to rescue these women and children on his behalf. And, and I saw that in India, and I come back, and I knew America is a place where people are generous. And I came and started talking about this problem, and we started this nonprofit called You Can Free Us. And this has become my life calling. This has become my mission. Uh, and this is a problem in America. It's a problem in the Middle East. It's a problem in Asia. A global problem. Every zip code. Our children are vulnerable. And so that's been our mission, uh, looking for women and children 
who are trapped in sex slavery, but beyond sex slavery, children also uh, trapped in, in labor trafficking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. You have a passion, Glenn, I, uh, with Nazarene Fund and what you've done in, in helping Christians flee from from um, from war-torn countries where they're under the threat of ISIS. And I'm so excited that we get an opportunity to talk about this and also work in the future on a problem that is one of the greatest evils of our times. Yeah. If we don't engage right now in this problem, a generation that's coming up behind us will say, why did you not do enough? I, I want to share something with you. I, you know, I, you also may have been in these places around the world. There have been horrors of the past. I remember being in Elmira Castle in Ghana, and they tell you about the slave trade. I've been in places where Hitler ran wild and, and wiped out millions of Jews. And we, we stand in those places and we question and we ask, why did people not do enough? And, and so this is our problem in our world, and we've got to do whatever we can. Uh, there is a cry rising from the brothels of the world. There is a cry rising from children and women. And the question is, are we, are we listening to that cry? You know, it's amazing to me. The New York Times just started selling something called uh, 1619. And it's, a, it's a podcast, a serial that they're doing on the year 1619. They say that's the year of really America's founding because that's when, race, uh, that's when uh, slavery uh, was brought here. But our pilgrims came in 1620, uh, and it's the 400th anniversary of our pilgrims the the year after. Um, and, uh, you know, you can either look back and blame everything on that. And I don't know what you're gaining out of that except more anger and frustration, and you're not lifting anybody up. Um, instead, we should be looking towards today because I can't do anything to change what people did in the past but I don't want to be remembered as the people in the past that did nothing and were, you know, involved in cakes and circuses. And this problem is real. And if we can come together and solve the problem today, it will solve the problems of the past. It will heal those wounds. So well said. I, and I want to say something. It may not be politically correct. I, I just want to tell your listeners that's listening to you, uh, listening to us, Glenn, right now. Uh, don't get discouraged when liberals beat you about about the problem of slavery of the past. Uh, if those people care so much about things that happened in the past, I, I want to encourage them. Come join people like us in the fight of this problem that's happening right now. I don't know of any country in the world, Glenn, that has shed its blood on the issue of slavery. I looked up the numbers the other day. It's almost 600,000 people, under a million Americans, got killed in the Civil War. So America's paid the price with blood on the issue of slavery, um, and, 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 and as we all are aware of, and somehow this history is now being passed down, and there are people who come up and talk about the past and say we have to get involved in repatriation for a small group of people that caused this problem that was a global problem. But how about a problem right now in our streets? How about a problem mm-hmm. right now around the world when you and I and everyone who, has, who cares about this problem, right or left, can be part of a great solution? Thank you, Sujo. Sujo John, I, I, I encourage you to check out his organization and help where you can. It's youcanfree.us. Youcanfree.us. Check him out and join the fight. Join the growing numbers of people who are saying, you know what, let's deal with real problems. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.